Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Retro Encounter, that podcast where we talk about things that are neither random nor rhythm. Um, I am Peter Treisenberg, the boards. Uh, joining me today is Caitlin Argeros. Hey guys, Lynn Cazero on the boards. Uh, Stephanie Sabidla. Hi. And making a return from the land of the rising sun to the land of California, Stephen Myrick. Hello. All right, so it's a, we have a, it. It's me. I'm old like Regis because I used magic. Old Steb. Old Steb, yeah. This is uh, Steb Gear Solid Five, in which I no four, in which I am inexplicably old and smoke cigarettes on the loading screens. And they tried to replace you with a uh, what guy? What's his face? Snake Plissken. I don't know. I, I'm blanking. You know, um. The Kurt guy Russell. from 24 who slept through the role. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer, that's it. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember his real name, but oh, no, we can't Steph curse. Kiefer, Kiefer, Kiefer. His yeah, dad's Kiefer much cooler, man. He's actually good on a syndicated TV show, but that's beside the point. Yeah, well, he, apparently Kiefer Sutherland was really expensive, but that's neither here nor there. But there, that might well, so actually... Also, finishing the game, I guess, but... That, that might actually tie in a little bit to what we're here to talk about today, because we're here to discuss Kingsglaive Final Fantasy XV. And, and for those of you at home who uh, may not have been paying attention, uh, Kingsglaive is the CG film that sets up Final Fantasy XV, uh, the long-awaited game. Um, uh, it, along with Brotherhood Final Fantasy XV, the animated shorts, are kind of our first exposure to the 15 game shows up. So, um, we all have some varied opinions on it, um, some specific likes and dislikes we want to get into, and we're here to present them for you. So, uh, I guess just kind of just to get the ball rolling, I thought we could go around and ask everybody, just in general, what are your thoughts on this film? Um, do you like or dislike it? Um, what are some strengths, some weaknesses? Um, I guess just because you're first on my lit on my screen, Caitlin. Um, when, could you think you could start us off? Oh, can I start us off? Thank you. Oh, you've been waiting for this. <laughs> I have. My claws are bared, folks. Um, okay. So in general, your claws are bears. Bared. Bears. And as, as in they're out and ready to dig into this movie. Um, so very fabulous podcast. In general, my broad thoughts are that this movie frustrates me because there are some really good bones in the film. I think the underlying plot, once you figure out what's going on, had the had a lot of potential and was it, it really could have been a much more you know cinematic kind of uh, experience than other Final Fantasy movies that we will probably mention later on. Uh, but it's, just, it's frustrating because so many other things, the, the writing, the voice acting, the, uh, the editing, uh, the shot editing, oh, and good the, God, the, editing. The, the treatment of the female characters, which we will also get into, just kind of weigh it down. So it's just, it's, it's frustrating because I can see the thought that went into this film and I can see how it's setting a stage and how it's going to affect things for the game. And it does make me interested in the world and, and the game, but it's just, mm. see, it's, I think that that, sorry, go ahead. I just, I just say it's, it's, it's messy. It's not, it's not a slam dunk. It's got problems. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that. Um, I have a lot of issues with it too. I do. I, I find that it does succeed in getting me interested in the world, which I think is good. But I think that's that's a a hard sell for a film, um, because it is very much nothing is really resolved. It's it sort of it builds up to a prequel for the game, uh, and that's what it is. It you know it ends with actual footage from the game of the guys driving their car right before it breaks down, which is where the game opens. And I, I appreciate all that. And I think there's a lot of interesting imagery and in terms of art design, things are very good. And it definitely, you get a sense of that weird, I mean, all the preview, the game, uh, um, outlets have the game now. And a lot of the previews have discussed that 
the game is really weird in terms of like its tone. And, and, and they use the weird in a good way and that it's unusual. You have like flans running around in caves below, you know, Western gas stations and stuff, just weird stuff like that. And that shows in the movie because you have like, hey, we're in a sp- hey, we're in an airship. All of a sudden, Ultros is on the airship. Where was he on the airship? How did he get there? It, that, those questions are not are not what this movie's interested in. It's interested in let's set up its entire character arc is to set up someone else's character arc. In other words, everything in this to me is a setup for something later. And that makes for an interesting cutscene as a video game, but not a perfect movie. Yeah. I, I, I think. Um, sorry, Steph. Sorry, Steph. Yeah, I, I basically feel the same. It feels like a tie into something much, much more. Uh, so it's incomplete, and it's really hard to be completely invested into a prologue. Uh, basically, like you, I really like how you said that. Actually, um, you know, it's hard to really get into the. <laughs> get into it when it's obviously just setting up someone else's uh, big main plot. Yeah. And you know, that, and that's, that's the thing is it feels like it's the same problem Marvel films had until I would say post Thor two in that they, they, they realize that these things can't be zero sum for them to be of interest and to be worth watching. If the only thing is, is I'm going to watch Tony Stark fly around, shoot a bad guy and then end and nothing has happened. That's not, interesting for anything other than the visual spectacle and that only works once that's why i think advent children i loved it the first time i saw it but then it has diminishing returns because after a while it's just like okay cloud jumped around in trees and it was awesome and the music was cool but i've seen it already and the plot is sort of anemic here i think they had a plot but they were so afraid to spoil anything from the game other than here's the ring Mm -hmm. and here is clearly going to be the bad guy ravis uh, I've decided I, Peter and I talked about this before, too, and we can get to this later. Um, but like there was like I had some debate. But when I saw I saw it in theaters in Japan, I had some some debate as to whether I thought Arden or the 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 Imperial Chancellor or Ravis was going to be the main villain. And watching the movie, the way the movie doesn't even use him that much, just has him get his full spoilers. He gets his arm burned off by the ring which he wants so desperately. And Arden clearly has machinations, but between the silver hair, the fact that he looks like Sephiroth 8, what's his name from Final Fantasy 12, uh, I think Ravis is undoubtedly the bad guy because he's going to hate Noctis because Noctis's family ring took his... It's, I can practically see the story writing itself in front of me. Um, but the problem is that they they avoid anything of consequence happening in this movie yeah. because and the I- net result of this movie is we know everything that happens at the end of this movie. I think, I, I think you hit a really important point on that one, Steven. Um, for, for me personally, I, I, en- I en- it was an enjoyable film. Um, the first time I watched it, I was a little confused. Um, and upon rewatching it, I believe my problems with it largely stem from that. It does not stand on its own, as we've said. And the second half of the film is when it starts to really double down on setting up the game at the expense of its own plot. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The, the the characters that are introduced in this movie are purely there to move the story forward. Um Which like, like brings, how it, sorry, it kind of brings what? you to an important point though, is then, you know, if it couldn't stand really well on its own, what was the point? Yeah, and that's the thing, is like so what it like how Caitlin said earlier that this movie has a really strong foundation. Yeah. And I agree with I agree with that 100%. I think that the the core of this movie is it, it, like g- going back a lot of the stuff that we see in Kingsglaive is actually stuff that was in trailers for Versus 13 um or way back in the day when this game was first announced as Versus 13 and then was in not development for a while and then got relaunched as this totally new thing. Yeah, well, they, they actually talked about that. It literally is all of that footage that was originally going to be the intro of the game. And then it sounded like it came down to two things, which is one, in, they wanted Insomnia to be like a cinematic scripted sequence in the game, which I'm guessing is the finale. Or, I don't know, apparently the game takes place over 10 years, so maybe it's not the finale. It's probably a set piece moment. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, so it is essentially the CGI intro to a game. And I think... The part of it that I think makes 
the best part, the best actual movie is Nix's story arc, which I'm willing to bet is the only part that didn't exist when it was part of the game. Yeah. No. So the only part that was created to be a movie, Nix has a complete arc. And I actually find Nix to be a likable character, even though he's another generic white dude who shows up to save the day and rescues Luna 50 times and, you know, knows more than everything else um, and gets a cool fight sequence. But like, the problem is that Nix's story happens and goes in the midst of a plot that is of, that he is of no consequence to. Exactly. Like, exactly. like the movie even tells you, like the Empire had planned on leaving. So basically, Insomnia gets wrecked anyway. He just kills the general guy who also got invented for the movie. Uh, and then you bounce. So again, it goes back to that zero sum thing of it's a plot line. It's a short story within a setup for a world plot. Can I just say, quick aside, that every time they say that general's name, Glocka, I think they're going to call him General Glaucoma. General Glaucoma. <laughs> General Glaucoma. I, I cannot stop that thought, and it makes me I, laugh whenever I see what, him. What, what I find amusing about him is that they have to introduce him in every scene. Like, in the in the very first scene, that that really awesome flashback to Noctis' childhood, um, which I, I think that's a really effective scene. That for those first three minutes, I think are quite good. Yeah, I think that's but, actually um, a great introduction. Yeah, I love it. It sets up all the major motivations. Um, you see, like you you can kind of get who everyone is. The music is great. That's one of the tracks that Shimamura composed. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, the thing is that that three minute intro more plot happens in that than in the next 45 minutes. Like it's, it's clear that they've taken a story and they've like, all right, here's all the material. All right, let's stretch it out and make it look pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But like, but like in the, in that scene, they have to say general Glocka's name in the, in the scene where Luna gets kidnapped by him. She has to introduce general Glocka again. And then when he shows up to kill King Sean Bean, then they have to introduce him again. And then it turns out that's not even his real name. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the, like, they don't, they don't spec. They also don't tell you anything about him. Like, where did his powers come from? Why is he so strong that he can punch gods? Which is, when he's which like is, a mook villain who gets killed by nothing. Which is why, when the plot twist about him happened, which is the the twist being that he actually has been the leader of the Kingsglaive for the past decade. Um, I happened on the first viewing until his armor melted off, and I'm like. Well, what? I actually so I actually did. I, I think I actually disagree with you on this. I actually thought that was one of the few inspired turns in the plot because they spend the whole movie setting up that you have this imp- this empire thing going on. And that from the video game standpoint, obviously, we like insomnia because we play as the prince of insomnia and they're the they're the lone holdout against the empire. They are the avalanche versus Shinra. But then you have this whole movie telling you it's like, actually, we all like don't have to be in this war. We're all just refugees and stuff. Uh, And, you know, you have these refugees who, if you think about it from a political standpoint, which is the perspective you take for most of this movie and all of Noctis's story is like, how does this affect insomnia and the world politically? Like Noctis is getting married for political reasons. Regis sends his son away for political reasons, even though it looks like he's just trying to protect him. So from that perspective, I really liked it. The movie explored, hey, why the hell did our king just send his only son away with our only salvation? to not get murdered when he knew this was going to happen like that, like from like, if that were a political thing, you'd have like, you'd have WikiLeaks dumping Regis's emails on that. Like, I I would agree with you on that. If they got into more detail um, about what that purpose actually was, like if they talked more about what, what, what is Luna's significance? What, why, why, why is it so important that they get married? Um, Or even what is Noctis's purpose? And like you said, they're afraid of spoiling anything in the game. And to a certain extent, that's that makes sense. But it comes at the expense of the movie's own story. I agree. I think and again, I think it doesn't work for me because we have to. I also think these products don't exist in a vacuum. People who watch Kingsglaive, I feel like, are pretty likely to have followed the development of 15 in some form. And they have said multiple times that the plot line of the game involves the plague of the stars and like the sunlight slowly going out and Noctis and Luna can speak to the Archeans. So can Noctis, apparently, or at least can summon them. So it's like I feel like it's sort of disrespecting the audience's intelligence to be like, well, there's a very important thing I sent her off for that I'm not going to talk about in this film before I get murdered because I'm Sean Bean and everyone called it. 
Um, I won't lie. You just like I've been on a pretty big media blockout, so everything you just told me was new. I was like, oh, oh my god. Okay. Well, so it's 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 like back of box type stuff. Yeah. But I feel like they're they're treating it like. I'd like to think I represent that player who was really, really interested from the get-go, but right now I'm just kind of waiting it out, and when it's out, it's out. Oh, that's a good perspective to have. Like, I, I didn't realize that. But, yeah, like, so I think it's, like, back-of-box type stuff that they're going to allude to. But I feel like don't treat this movie as... Like, Brotherhood does not reveal anything substantive about the plot of the game. It's just relationships. I feel like if you're going to have an hour and a half long movie, you need to be willing to give up some of the plot. So we feel like we're getting invested and not just being given an hour and a half long teaser. Cause that's what the movie is. If like, you get to drop one juicy bit of information, that's completely yeah. done. Like we all know that it's going to turn into something with the Archeans and Arden is trying to control the Archeans or something and bring about the plot, the stars or something, something bad like that. So why not have Regis before his dying moments be like, yeah, uh, Luna has to stay alive because if she doesn't, the world is going to end. So that's why I said knock this away. Like Nix is pissed at him because he thinks he's given up his kingdom. Just be like, yeah, Nix, no, trust me, I have a plan here. Well, and the funny thing is, is that later on in the movie, he seems to be totally get what Luna's thing is, even though they never say it in the movie. So I'm just like, did she tell you off screen? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. There's a bunch of stuff that happens off screen in this movie. There's a ton of... So let's get into some of those specific gripes. Um, We mentioned the editing. <laughs> um, Caitlin, I, you want to elaborate? Yeah. Um, putting, not having the ring on and then having the ring on and combusting. There's, there's just... There's problems. There's specific issues uh, with the shot editing. That is how, uh, how things transition from one shot to another, especially in the action sequences. Yeah. Um, the camera will move to a place where you weren't expecting it to go, and so you have to reorient yourself a lot. Oh, like, he's on this side, now he's on that side, and the shots happen super fast. Like... Um, the analogy I want to make is if you if you ever saw the second um, Daniel Craig James Bond film Quantum of, Quantum of Solace, known as Angry Bond. Yeah, the Jason Bourne Bond. The the well, I think the entire film, but especially the opening sequences of that film, got really heavily lambasted by critics because the editing was so rough and fast, and it was difficult to follow. It's it's like that, especially in the the super heavy action sequences at the start and the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not that it's impossible to follow. It's not like Transformers levels of I can't see anything going on here because there's just crap in my way. But it's also kind of it's it's hard to really get into it because I'm struggling to just understand the the uh, the the plot the the pacing of each shot. I think that final action sequence comes close to Transformers levels of yeah, what is it does. Um, it and I and, very busy. <laughs> and to be fair, I think once I found out that that final fight is supposed to be Knights of the Round fighting Diamond Weapon, I became a whole lot more into it. Yeah, I didn't click with it right away. I think the designs were just way too dark, and it took me a while for me to kind but, of snap into but it. But that's the thing. It's too dark, they move too quickly, and there is, like, sparks flying everywhere. And it's like, this is madness, and it would be awesome if I could tell what was going on. You know, so I, that I'm going to have to odd man out here. I liked the final fight sequence. I thought it was one of the better sequences in the movie. I, on, a re- on a rewatch, it's very Advent Children and like, all right, get through it. Like, nothing they're happens. They're even running on buildings. <laughs> I, I think like, I'm they're running on buildings. You have the sparks. There's even the sequence where they're both inside a building where the walls shift and they're fighting from wall to wall on each other. Um, I, I definitely agree with the editing to a point. I think it works pretty well in some places and in other places. I just think, for me, when I think editing, I think of the first 45 minutes and how it jumps around so much that... I feel like if you have not closely followed the game and like followed all of the promotional material for what's happening, it's like, who's that? Why did he do that? What's going on? Why is he upset? Why are they mad? What happened? Why'd she die? How'd she die? Uh, you know, and like they, they confuse their visual language. Like, I think the best thing is that they show uh, the lady that gets killed. Oh, I forgot her name. Crow. 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 Crow gets killed. R.I.P. And they, they show a van coming up and they play audio that sounds like like 
a swarm of insects coming. And then when those guys find her, they find her hand covered in insects. So I'm like, oh, she got killed by like some kind of evil curse guy with insects. But then it's just like, no, yeah, she's in there. And like, you know, we don't know how she died. And it's like, oh, well, all right. I guess I thought we like they didn't she, she got shot. Oh. Well, yeah. Well, it was General Glauca that killed her. Like he said no, that he killed no, her. No, it wasn't. What? Oh, it wasn't. Okay, it yeah. Was, see, I don't know so, who killed her. <laughs> so yeah, right I don't know before, either. right, right before General Glauca slash Captain Droughtos slash giant armor dude shows up, um, Luce or whatever his name is, the guy with like comes up, shoots Nick, like. I I'm I'm amazed you can still move with that bullet inside you because all Crow could do was scream. And oh, I'm like, I thought you right. died off. I thought you died oh, right. in the Ultros fight. <laughs> yeah, we also have to point out a little bit of torturing women's bodies in there too, because why not? Yes. Oh. Um, on a couple occasions. But I will say one thing. I do. I heard you guys say this. I do disagree with this. The one of the few shots I did like because it respected our our ability to remember what we'd seen. The second time they show somebody get killed by the ring we see ravis do it and it burns his arm off and we get a full shot i actually like the shot where it cuts away from him holding the ring and she's like you should probably not wear that it gives power and then it cuts away and it comes back and he's already on fire because we know he's an idiot and he know he did it i don't think it was necessary to show him put the ring on there because at that point we understand what the ring does to those who aren't worthy we understand luna is clearly baiting him into putting it on which is sinister as hell uh, it's the only thing she does in the movie. Like her only thing is she tricks somebody into putting a ring on that burns, that incinerates them. I di- I didn't think that was a problem with editing, but that that we could we could chalk that one up a taste because I do they, agree that the editing is very spastic. They they overuse the fade to black a lot. Oh it's God, like, yes. Especially near the beginning, it's like they didn't know how to edit these scenes together. In the so middle of an action sequence, it's not done, and we fade to black. What the f? And. And and I and so St- Stephen may remember that when I first watched Kingslave, um, I was text I was messaging him during the entire thing, <laughs> being very very confused during the first action sequence because I thought that Crow was summoning Diamond Weapon, and the reason that the I thought that thing wasn't it. Well, because the re- there are two reasons I thought this. One is because in Type Zero, which is no, is no longer part. They're, they're, I know Fifteen is no longer part of the Fabula Nova Chrysalis, whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I have a hard time divorcing the two in my head. Um, in in Type Zero, they had like squadrons of summoners that mm-hmm. like would mass commit suicide to summon Idolans, which was gnarly as hell. Um, and the image of Crow and a line of spellcasters trying to do something kind of reminded me of that. But two, during the scene where they're trying to run away from it, um, in that first action sequence, the editing is so bad that it makes it look like she's leading it on, like it's following her. Like, and I don't know why, for some reason, it just got stuck in my head that she was guiding it somehow, and that was going to be important. And it I never... don't think they explained anything in that, like any of how any of the magic works or anything like that. They just kind of roll with it it's just like there's a fire tornado and now the the nef the now the niflheim guys have brought in a giant demon what's a demon what's important about this thing well it just blew up everything there's an interesting lack of exposition in and a it, it inexplicably had cerberus with it because reasons uh, yes yeah. yeah and I-, I thought cerberus was the demon they were talking about but no it was the diamond weapon and cerberus is just kind of there it's just the guard dog which is fitting but still come on and and I'll admit, part of me, the part of me that, like, I mean, is a huge, ridiculous Final Fantasy fan is just like, oh, yeah, Cerberus is in a movie. What? That's, the point. <laughs> That's why I, I didn't mind at all. It's just like, it's for the fans. I think yeah. the I think the most interesting thing to me about the film, um, aside from the political uh, plot that's going on here, the whole thing with uh, this basically false truce by Niflheim in order to infiltrate Insomnia and and steal the crystal. I think the interesting interesting thing is uh, the way they kind of explain a little bit about the ring and the power of the Lucii. Is it it Lucii or Lucii? Lucii. Lucii, yeah, Lucii. And how the Kingsglaive are borrowing that power. Because, I mean, if you've seen any of Noctis' moves from the game, the Kingsglaive, they're basically doing what Noctis does. They throw a weapon and then they can they can port to it and all those awesome things. And you see yeah. Regis being able to summon weapon multiple weapons like Noctis. And it gets me interested 
in learning more about the history of this power, this ring, and what, what we're going to see happen with Noctis in 15. Yeah, it gets away from, I think, something that is a big danger with a lot of anime and a lot of anime-inspired features like this one, in that sometimes it's clear that it was designed because, holy, holy, wow, swear jar, um, holy moly, this looks cool. Uh, let's go write a BS plot excuse for it. And that might have, might have happened here because he's had the thing for a while. But it makes the power feel like something that exists in the world with a set of rules in that Noctis does Warp Blade. His father can do Warp Blade. It makes you age fast. That's why they have magic. And they can give pieces of the magic. And all that magic comes. Like, it sets up a hierarchy for why this power exists in a world that has emboobined Daisy Duke running around fixing cars. <laughs> So that's that sounds like a transition to me, but <laughs> old habits, I guess. Oh boy. Oh no, it's a good one. Um, so Actually, wait, before we get into that, I just wanted to talk something quickly. Um, when you mentioned the whole teleportation thing, I actually like how they made that feel. Like you felt a kind of good gravity to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I did like a they... lot of the fighting in this because it did feel still kind of heavy, whereas in you know Advent Children they just kind of flew around. Oh yeah, yeah it, did, it didn't feel like it had any weight. And like it's if you've exactly. watched footage from the final version of the game too, like a, they use the same sound effect when Noctis warps as when they do in the film. So it gives you a nice bit of continuity, yeah. but like Noctis, when he warps too, I noticed that one of the things they changed in the final release is that like, it has a lot of weight when he uses the, the, the warp blade. It's like, and like, it really feels like you're throwing a sword and teleporting to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, he and kind I'm of falls with it right away. Um, but also, too, I also like at the beginning when they show somebody who screws up doing the warp blade where they mm. kind of crash into the ground. And blow <laughs> yeah. up. So it creates like a bit of a shattering effect as well. Uh, yeah. Like the magic, like uh, Regis uses a shield spell a few times and you kind of feel like the kind of gravity of each hit that it takes. And when the shield starts to break. So I actually thought that felt that cool. really yeah. cool. Yeah. And the fact that it looks the same as the shield that's covering the city. Like it all feels yeah. like your magic is very... Like, it feels like it all comes from the same source, which is if you're going to tell a story about this one family that has this one pact with what I assume are the world's gods, you know, it's cool to have that visual and that aesthetic distinction to it. They remind me a lot of the Okuria from 12. The, I agree completely. The yeah, that's, that scene where they pop up is very similar yeah. to the Okuria, I agree. So, which, I mean, that is fitting because there are other elements of the game that remind me a lot of 12. I think Niflheim, in general, it reminds me a lot of uh, Arcades from 12 and with their, mm -hmm. their, their soldiers looking very uh, judge-like with their armor. Even, even Glauca kind of reminds yeah. me of the uh, Judge Magisters from 12 with his armor. Yeah, Glauca, mm. would, Glauca would be right at home in Ivalice. Yes. Yeah, I thought like the, he looked like a combination of something from Kingdom Hearts meets some, someone from Ivalice. Yeah, but then Vaughn would kill him with his ab beams. <laughs> he fires it like Tony Stark's repulsor blast. He's just like, ab blast, and does that number. Well, maybe, maybe. He doesn't have nipples either. Yeah, Vaughn. Well, you don't need nipples if you live in Ivalice. I mean, when you early. wear a metal jacket, I think your nipples just kind of get, you know, sawed <laughs> off after If you wear a metal jacket, no you're have much more than nipple chafing, though. <laughs> but um, I think one thing, one thing we can pick up on, I think, or all agree on, is based on this, is that the, the movie's gorgeous, and the visual yeah. design is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I, oh, God, yeah. It, it, it is a visual audio visual treat and i think it's also the most cinematic of all the final fantasy movies like if, if to... you told there, there's only three of them but if you told me to rank them i would probably rank them in descending order from kingsglaive yeah i think i think the part of it is that they hired an actual screenwriter to like give the film a three-act structure that i think is almost too evident because they have three separate studios that animate each section as well um well, that could explain a lot yeah, well, if you look in the credits and like they've talked about it, like the there are three different CGI studios that handle the opening sequence, the talky, 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 talky flying around sequence, and then the blow up the entire city sequence. Mm. Huh. Mm, that is that makes a lot of sense, actually. That is telling. Yeah, that explains why the move they the, the those acts kind of vary wildly in terms of quality. I think. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, it doesn't. 
so uh, there's some there's I do have some technical gripes, um, namely that during the third act, there's like some bug like enemies that look like unfinished models to me. Like they do not look good. And there was definitely a quality between like the two main characters and, you know, quote unquote, the NPCs of the film. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. all the scrubs were like, hey, we have one less rendering pass. Like oh, the, yeah. uh, the resistance so, dudes that Libertus r- runs into. We have, they got we have, like no folds in their clothes. They just kind of look like regular CG mooks. Yeah. And well, like, it's, it's, it's like when you go in like a modern Final Fantasy and it's like you're running around as Titus who's like, yes, I have individually delicately modeled ribbons on each of my knee cover thing. <laughs> and then you meet like one of the, the like the Xanarchan Abes and it's like, I'm wearing a trash bag with even, a sack. Even even Nyx, who has I think Nyx has a relatively subdued design compared to other characters in yeah. braided mullet. Yeah. <laughs> and. But even then, careful talking about braided mullets. I'm making haircut decisions. All right. (laughs) Okay. Well, you'll you'll be good at cosplaying Aaron Paul in that case. Actually, I do want to say something about that. Like, um, I know there's a lot of people who really love the designs of the movie and, you know, who really oppose it. And it'll be weird going from Luna in the film to Luna in the game because they look nothing Mm -hmm. alike. But I actually really like facial capture because it kind of gives them they're still very pretty cast. But I mean, they're just a bit flawed. And I find they look a lot more different because of facial capture. I think everyone's got their nuanced look to them. You know, they actually have wrinkles in places. I think that's especially evident on Regis. I agree completely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like Luna looks like I love the way Luna looks in the game, but she looks almost too perfect. She looks unreal. She looks CG, you know, whereas them using a human capture, you know. Uh, the Luna in the movie, you know, she actually still has a bit of a, you know, kind of a bit of a bigger nose or, you know, interesting set eyes. Mm-hmm. For she people. looks older in the movie than she does in the she game. She does. And, and sounds, too, which... Well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do we want to talk about the celebrity voice acting? I don't I think, think his voice suits Luna. No. I don't think I'm as sour on it as you all are. I, I think Lahiti was the worst performance by far because, yes. A, she's played... You know the yeah. what's her nuts in Game Cer- of Thrones. Cersei. She was she, Cersei, Cersei, was like, Cersei Lannister. She's the 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 villain in Dread twenty twelve, where she literally like chomps a dude's privates off. Like, like she, yeah, I just think that uh, that tough voice does not suit Luna's character because no matter what Square Enix tells us, you know, we could say we haven't played the game yet, but the way you depict a character in a film and in all promotional material matters. Luna is not a character who is doing the things that, like, Cersei Lannister is doing. Maybe she is, but doesn't seem but, like that's and, the case. And her, her game voice actress seems to suit her a lot better, I will say that. Mm-hmm. But I did like the other two. I thought Aaron Paul did fine. I, I like his character. I thought his performance... He communicates exclusively in one-liners, but I, I thought his... <laughs> yes. I thought he was fine. And I honestly really am going to miss King Sean Bean. My yeah. too. I think King Shang Bean, I think that's going to be the most jarring one for me because Sean Bean has a really distinctive voice. And again, I'm guessing we're only going to see him in flashbacks or when Noctis inevitably meets the magic gods and gets superpowers. Uh, But, you know, so maybe it won't be as noticeable, but like he's such a commanding voice and he's so well suited to that character, which is, you know, that's clear that that was intentional. That it's like, wow, it's going to be weird going back. I actually, and I also thought Aaron Paul was great. I, The voice acting uh, in the Japanese version, actually, uh, the movie is lip synced to the English dialogue. Um, yeah, so when I saw the Japanese, it was weird. It was like seeing a dub. Um, and like, it was sort of hard to tell whose voice was whose. And, and in particular, I thought Nix's Japanese voice was sort of muted and understated. Whereas I think maybe it's because I've seen Breaking Bad Maybe it's just because I think his performance was strong, but I actually think Aaron Paul was very well suited to Nick's. I agree. Yeah, I thought also, he sounded good. I didn't really see him as the character in the show, you know, but his voice still was distinct enough, maybe because I recognize him from the show. Yeah. Uh, I actually still found the lip syncing, even with the English, was still kind of off. Yeah. Uh, the big was. Bad. Yeah, like Liberty's, it looks like whenever he talked, it's like his well, tongue was frozen. Like, oh and, my ass, my God, John. Um, the, the, and the thing about that is too is that like some of the characters were voiced by their by their uh, motion yeah. capture yes. doubles. Uh, Lib- Libertus and Crow were. Mm-hmm. Um, Libertus was the guy who got sad, right? Libertus was the fat guy with the oh. pill problem well, and the worst would, character in the film. He was, he was by far the worst voice in the movie. Yeah, 
But and that was just his. But I'm pretty sure that was just his mocap guy. And the same thing with Crow, and a, Ooh, a bunch of the other minors. Fine. She did fine. No, she too. sounded familiar for some reason, but I don't recognize her voice actress's name. I I will say that I I adore Arden. <laughs> I, I yeah. Uh, his voice is his voice is like. And... I liked his voice, but not his act. I, I thought I don't know. I thought he was fabulous. Yeah, that like <laughs> giant rubber wing thing. I did not know what that was. And yeah, that a, is awkward. The one-winged hell. angel stuff. Yeah, it's because it's because he's a villain and he has to have some weird creepy wing thing. He's like that Kefka. Hat, that had literally the worst hat, Peter. If you like that hat, burn it. Uh, I, I, like, I actually like the hat more than the wing thing. I feel like he's going to take that hat and walk up to Noctis and be like, my lord. Yeah, or go fishing with it. I don't know. It was between like... like yeah, to be fair, I do think he has the evil Kefka Chancellor thing going on well. I think it, I think yeah. he looks consistent. He looks like a dork, but... It, have you guys seen the the, vo- the interview with the voice actors video where yeah. they have this yeah. show? The actor playing Arden is clearly having more fun than literally everybody else because, like, it's like, well, he's just so conniving and sneaky. And then he starts speaking in the character's voice. Um, well, I've heard villains yeah. have the most fun when they uh, when they're doing movies or whatever. Yeah, like it's it's clear that he's having more fun. A because he gets to be in the movie and in the game, so he has that continuity of like knowing what has happened. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, if you listen to like. And again, this is also the fault of the writing and the setup of the movie. Like, if you listen to the interview with Lena Headey, it's just like, yeah, well, Luna's a very strong character. And so that's why I like playing her, because she's a she's a strong woman. And I think that's fun to play. And I'm like, yep, okay, moving on. I hate her to say that. Like, it's not her fault. Fu- like, that's not her fault. That's the writing of that character. Like, what else is she going to say? Yeah, well, yeah, I get kidnapped about four times. And then my character is supposedly really important, but... Uh, I'm never allowed to actually do anything for myself. And then every time really? I do, someone yells at me. You really want to get into this conversation. Oh, boy, yes. Um, Whenever okay, we so, get into the conversation, just make sure at some point I can read my list. I will I'm very let, proud of it. I will let you read the list, because I'm amazed you could count that many female characters in this universe. Um, it, I guess um, before we move on, one last thing on voice acting. The Emperor is also, a, I like Alder Capped. I think he's great. Um, that scene where him and Sean Bean are playing off each other is pretty cool. I want to yeah. punch his smug face. The dialogue is the dialogue is super corny. Like oh, the whole God. like, like the whole like. What do you do is... with a thief? But but you know what? It's a JRPG tie-in movie. I can't really nitpick the writing too much. See, I think I you should nitpick the writing. And I would well, I mean, we can nitpick the writing, but the as the I mean, the, the as far as like how that dialogue went, like I thought I was into it. It's like this is this is corny as heck, and I I I dig it. I definitely think it worked. I, I think it's interesting. They've never shown the emperor in the game. Like he like I've never seen his character model in the game. No, never. This is probably the first time we've seen him outside of like old, old, old trailers. That yeah, yeah. Anymore. Okay. So is it time to talk so, about female women? Women, am I right? Sorry. All two of them in this movie. Yeah. Okay. No, so. there were more than two in the movie. They just died off screen to motivate one of the men. So Luna sucks. Well, let's start. Let, let's start with Crow, though, because. Okay, Crow. Yeah. Crow, Crow seemed cool. Crow, I thought Crow was going to be really cool. Yeah. I thought Crow was going to be an ongoing character and them saying, no, look, we do have interesting women in our in our storyline. And then they were like, no, actually, we're going to kill her off screen to motivate one of the other dudes. Yeah. I kind of thought they wanted to, I hate to go this street, but I thought they wanted to kill her off because animating her hair was a pain in the ass. She did have fabulous hair. But, like, yeah. there's a scene at the beginning where, like, there's a ton of wind, and, like, I feel like our hair didn't really know which way to blow, and it just looks really, really <laughs> weird. So I just thought they wanted to, like, stop rendering her hair and just shove her away and just get Luna. Yeah, what she are, needs what to get a buzz or a hat, or, that's, or we're going to kill her. That's the only options. Yeah, her hair totally glitched during the movie. It looked awkward. But, I mean... It looked, I, wasn't I, moving. Unfor- was unfortunately, her ultimate role is to be the fridged woman trope. That is... Yeah. <laughs> that is that is the sum total of her contribution to the film and the off-screen fridged woman trope, which is even yeah, worse. Like, she doesn't even get the dignity of like a final sequence. Like she's always incidental to scenes where she's supposedly pivotal. Um, 
basically my, my issue and I, I said this to um, Caitlin and Mike Coco host of uh, Rhythm Encounter and host of Rhythm Encounter uh, in reverse order. In reverse order yes. Um, after I saw it in Japan was that the movie made me interested in the world, but it also made me absolutely certain that they do not know what they're doing with the women in their world. And in part, it's because every single woman in the world and like there, I read a lot of complaints online that it's like, well, they had a final fantasy with all girls. Yes. But there were men with agency in that world. The bad guy was a guy like you had the, the different groups of people that were working and the women in that game had agency. Like, they were doing things in the story that weren't just to motivate somebody else. Whereas in Final Fantasy 15, between the game and the movie, you have the sexy mechanic. You have the sexy Luna's sexy attendant who doesn't age, even though all of the men age when they have magical powers. So she doesn't age because we can't have an old woman on screen. You have sexy Dragoon with boob window. You have the crow who dies so that way Libertus can be sad. You have uh, Ravis's mother who dies to motivate him to become the ultimate supervillain. You have... Gladiolus's little sister who has a crush on Noctis and who gets lost and to motivate Noctis to be a nice guy and save and make them be, make Noctis and Gladio become friends. You have Nyx's little sister who dies off screen and literally you just get an audio clip of like, Nyx, no! So that way you know why Nyx wants to sa save Luna. And then you have Luna who's like, her duty is to protect a guy no matter what. She gets corrected by every single man that speaks to her in the entire movie. She gets kidnapped twice and used as a political pawn twice in the movie and gets pimp slapped in the trailer. And then they're like, well, she's such a strong character. And it's like, what does she do? She does not nothing. She does it, nothing. And, and, and that's, and that's, 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 she looks pretty. That's the thing is like, you know, they, 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 I think it's very telling you have that one developer who was like, well, people say they want female party members, but then they, 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 uh, or what was the thing? It was the thing where it was like people, I don't even know, or it was like they, they were talking about like female party members in the game and how they wanted to focus on the story of brotherhood and the men oh, working together. And what, no, sorry, what I was thinking of is, uh, in regards, in regards to Cindy, yeah. People said oh. Cindy was too, too sexualized, and they said, well, they said they want female party members, but then they say the women are too sexy. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, oh. you have a critical problem. Oh, it gets worse, actually. Um, I watched the special features um, for Kingsglaive before we recorded this, and um, um, there's a section on animating it, which is interesting, but what, their only defining section on animating Luna was that they put her in different outfits. So she was literally a Barbie doll. They were literally just like, we wanted to show Luna is a multifaceted character, so we put her in lots of different outfits throughout the film. And I'm just like, um, raise his hand, guys. Well, it, you know, I know that... I know the internet loves to be like to roll their eyes whenever feminism or male gaze comes up. But like this game is like the ultimate definition of male gaze. It's developed by mostly men. It stars all men and every single woman exists to further the male's plot or to look attractive. Like I, w I think the where I snapped was when they talked in that one Famitsu interview about Luna's like attendant who's in the movie for I think she, I think Steph, you said she had a line where they say oh yeah she ha she doesn't age though and i'm like okay so everyone else who uses the crystal has to get old and look grizzled and part of the plot is watching noctis get old and grizzled by using magic but the one woman who uses magic doesn't get old because well there's a good plot reason yeah the plot reason is you want to have attractive women to look at and you want to define attractive women as young and looking like this I think the other thing that concerns me is when they talk about Luna and Noctis's relationship and they talk about how, well, it's not a traditional love story. Luna is driven by her need to protect Noctis and that somehow makes it better. I, I don't know. It's like Luna's driven by her need to protect Noctis because the only thing a female character in this world can be is mothering or motivational. Yeah, and the, uh, I, I'm really scared for her in the game because she says several times in the movie that she is prepared to die to fulfill her duty, and my warning bells are going off in my head. That sounds like foreshadowing. That sounds like Aerith. Yeah, I, I'm really scared about that because if that that will be like the... Well, actually, I'm sorry. The last draw really has already been 
thrown down, but I'm going to completely lose it if, the, if if anything like that happens because, ah! And honestly, I feel like, I mean, she jumps out of a moving plane for no reason and gets saved by Nyx, <laughs> incidentally. Yeah, I thought like, that was going to be her cool moment. Princess. I thought that was going to be her cool moment. I thought she was going to summon Leviathan. <laughs> Hi, I can do things. And instead, Nyx is just like, teleport, snarky quip, move on as though nothing happened. Excuse me, princess. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that was literally what he said. Like, that's that was that was another thing where they're like, they're like, Luna is such a strong character, and I'm saying in that British voice because I'm thinking of Lena Headey saying it, and like. <laughs> Every time Luna does something, it annoys Nyx and he yells at her for it. Like, up till the end of the movie. And then, like, when she jumps out of the plane, he's just like, oh, here's those throws off our plan. So it's like, she's never portrayed as being the one driving the scene. Like, it's always like, oh, well, now Nyx has to go help her. Or now this has to happen. And it's always like, you know, it's just they she don't. Port mission. Yeah, she's she's literally a human escort mission slash she's literally the 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 human MacGuffin. Like, Every single scene revolves around somebody protecting her or getting her somewhere. And there's so there's one one thing that I that confuses me even after rewatching it, and it's something that I hope will be addressed in the game, but I'm not entirely sure by now. Is what Luna's significance is re why the Empire wants her and Noctis to hook up? Um, because they say that they say that. Um, that they're using their marriage as an olive branch to get peace. And and you're just sitting there the whole time, like, that can't be right. That can't be it. But, right. that, but then again, then they put her on the plane, on the airship, and when they go to get her, she's actually there, and then Ultra shows up and starts killing everybody. So it's like, <laughs> did you intend for her to die there? Because See, yeah. Gonna, like, what is, was, like, what's your actual endgame here? Because being... when I was watching that scene with a friend, what he thought was happening was that they put the hairpin tracking device on the ship and that Luna was actually safe somewhere else. And I'm like, uh... yeah, that would have actually been really smart if they had a use for her. But it doesn't seem like they do. It seems like the Empire really was just about to be like, your job is to lure out the King's Glaive. Bye, Felicia. Well, and I mean, so... <laughs> This whole thing is about them infiltrating Insomnia so that they can steal the crystal and obviously kill Regis. And I think, at least that my initial thought is that this whole marriage plot is a sham so that they can ensure that they're both in one place to be assassinated. Yeah, like, I think that... Like, uh, like, I that, I mean, like, I got as well. Yeah, because Regis talks about sending Noctis away, and it seems that the film presents it as being unexpected. He was expected to be in Insomnia to receive Luna, and they were, I guess, going to probably get married then. And it sounds they were gonna like... Them. Yeah, it sounds like Regis knew, you know, anticipated this and sent Noctis away to ensure that at least someone from the royal family of insomnia survives and then he has to ensure that luna gets out of there so that she survives so yeah okay i, I, that, I can't... that's what i thought as well like that regis's sacrifice is basically getting noctis and luna away because they're important yeah and i and i can see all that i just i just always assumed that there was something like something to do with the archaeans or whatever that was significant about noctis and luna that i thought arden specifically wanted to manipulate and again this is maybe another case of i have an idea stuck in my head that i don't want to let go of but i just feel like it would have they would have been better suited like using the hairpin on the airship and having luna be elsewhere but if they i guess if they really were just going to kill her off then yeah why not release the giant my guess if if that's not their plan my guess was that arden my guess is that they want Noctis and Luna together because Luna can talk to the Archeans and Noctis can control them apparently once he punches their arm off or whatever he does. I don't know. Maybe he wants the power. I'm thinking it might be like FF9 where she negotiates with them. Noctis gets the powers and then they kill Noctis and take the powers of the Archeans or something. Because it seems like the Emperor is just a bunch of, let's use a bad word again, um, just a bunch of mean old fogies who want to have lots of power. Yeah, but can't Regis control the Archeans? Yeah, he I guess so. Because, and they kill him. Old. He can't because old. I think oh yeah, because old. Be... Yeah, they need yeah. they need a younger person. Okay. He's like, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I cannot command the old wall anymore because, because old. I'm old. 
In fact, Square Enix has a lot of planned obsolescence built into their characters. Like, the entire plot of Kingdom Hearts is because some old guy didn't want to be old. I wonder if there's a message in there somewhere. There's a Peter yeah, Pan somewhere in young, there. Young people should let... Mm-hmm. Old people should let young people move on and take control. <laughs> Strong cultural commentary there. A lot to read into, eh? <laughs> but we like the movie, right, guys? I did. Like I said, I, like I said, it frustrates me. I'm I'm glad that I I rented it and did not buy it. But then again, I knew that I would feel that way, so I'm not necessarily I, I, disappointed. I like to own things. I, I think it was entertaining. Sorry, good. What to expect, and I enjoyed it all right. And I got nothing more than I thought I would. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it all right as well. The uh, the visual design, the look of everything, like I thought it looks literally like a modern fantasy, modern day fantasy, was a perfect success. I thought it looked good and it felt good. It just, you know, story was crap. Yeah, that, that was sort of what I thought as well. I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it made me more excited for the game in some ways. It also made me double down on my philosophy of if you like something, you have to be willing to critique it because there's so much to critique already in Final Fantasy 15 and it's not even out and that's not even getting into gameplay it's just in terms of how it frames its narrative like right. you know and uh, again I, I vaguely recall when Third Birthday came out and totally butchered Ayabrea's character that I, I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder because it wasn't all pinned on Tabata it was pinned on like the artist and the scenario writer I'm starting to was- wonder if maybe Tabata has interesting gameplay ideas and doesn't know what to do with plots or women and that's not not just Toriyama was on that script and yeah but I think also the reverse of that is also true like you know if anyone's worried that we're being overly harsh or negative I mean it's you can like something and still critique it in fact I you know like Stephen is saying you kind of have to do both it doesn't necessarily mean that it's something sucks because it's problematic it just means you need to recognize what's problematic and say, ah, that's work, that didn't work. If you can't critique what you like, then you don't really like it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't spend this kind of effort thinking about stuff that I don't care about. Like, I think about Michael Bay Transformers. They suck, they're garbage, they're terrible films, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't think about it. Like, I don't worry about why one of the robots peed on the other one with oil. I'm just like, I'm done. You know, I'm out. I'm not debating whether or not maybe in the next sequel there might be a reason for that. You know, if you if you can't, you need to be able to critique the art you like, because otherwise it's not going to get better or interesting or change. I just realized I didn't weigh in on Luna's role as a woman. Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I had a good point, though. I was just thinking, all I could think about throughout the movie was, um, do any of you guys watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I've seen... Chunks or, of it. Okay, Episodes. whatever. Anyway, so they have a big debate one day about who's the looks, who's the muscle and all that stuff. Right. So, you know, who's the looks, who's the muscle, who's the wild card, you know, so brains is the Regis, you know, he's, he's, he's the one who knows the whole plot ahead of time, looks and muscle is Nyx, and you know, the wild card is Libertus, who just kind of comes in with a good idea, and he's there when you need him. And what they and Luna is the useless chick. (laughs) But she's there. (laughs) That's that's actually really fitting. I I applaud. She's like the goal, but then you're like, why? Why? Nope, she wasn't really that. She was there to stand there, be useless, and look kind of pretty doing it. And if she came in with a good line every now and then, that was a bonus. It's true. Like, you know, I again, it seems like the game is going to span a lot of time because it's like 10 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe Square is in an unenviable position of not wanting to give away their story. And maybe Luna does become really interesting and do cool stuff. You know, my, my, my things, sorry, Steven. No, no, go ahead. That, that was pretty much all I had. I was going to say, my thing is that, um, and this was actually going to tie into the last point I wanted to bring up, um, which is that there is Tetsuya Nomura is not credited in this film anywhere. I, 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 I checked. I, 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 I mean, it, it could be that I missed something, but I did not see his name pop up. Um, th- this game, we know, has not been in development for 10 years. It has been in development for before but the idea of this world these characters of versus 13 has been around since 13 was announced and 
Nomura was attached to it then. He came up with the original concept and the characters. And part of me has to wonder how much of this is beholden to that original vision, how much... Because we've, we've talked before like about how um, the developers have seemed willing to adapt the story to their own vision, but at the same time, they're still carting around Luna, who is a revision slash... That they replaced a character called... They replaced Stella from Versus 13 with Luna. And Stella, while we knew nothing about her, our one glimpse of her was her getting ready to throw down with Noctis, like they were going to fight. Oh, and, <laughs> and, and, like, and, and they had the same... The party scene from the early verse, except the context is completely rejiggered, so it focuses on, on Regis and the Emperor talking, and then Luna comes up to Nyx and is like, we're in and i don't know part of me is just like i i i, I don't know the the glimpse of stella we've seen is more compelling than anything we've seen of luna so far and i just gotta wonder if her role in the story isn't part they didn't know what to do with her i'm sorry yeah i went on i <laughs> know uh, i feel like luna in terms of looks and function to the story is namine from kingdom hearts yep. fair enough fair. lady like they look the same they get captured constantly, and they are MacGuffins for people to rescue. So, so give us a Shion who's actually awesome. Like, I do have to go there though, but I, I love the way Luna dresses up in game. And- no, yeah, the, the the design is great. Like the, oh the costuming and stuff is great. She looks. I want her earrings really bad. It's Square. I'm sure you'll be able to buy them. I was going to say, check the Square Enix store, like, tomorrow. I'm still trying to buy the Yuna necklace. That thing goes out of stock, like, as soon as it's back in. I digress. I've wanted to buy the Lightning necklace, but money. I think you can already buy, I like, Noctis' jacket. Encyclopedia Eorzea, but apparently Square Enix forgot that 6 million people play their video game. Oh, I, I bought mine. <laughs> it's on the way. Oh, wow. But yeah, that's. I really wish they do like cohesive art books too. They don't really do anything proper for that. But we're getting off track here, I think. Yeah. Well, so... like I said, I don't, I don't know if there's any dirt on Namira not being in the credits, but I just think it's weird. Yeah, that's true. That is weird. If it's like at least like These original original concept or or something like that. I just don't know. I, I don't know what, what the behind-the-scenes stuff is. They've been pretty mum on a lot of it. But I'd be really curious to know, like, if he, like... I don't know, if Namira pissed somebody off at Square for, like, taking so long. I don't, don't know. We're don't know. Going, but... Yeah, it's it's complete complete speculation on my part. Yeah, just neither here nor there. No, I agree. I just uh, I'm no good at speculation talk. Yeah. Very weird. You're right. He came up if he came up with the original concept, you know, if he's not even in the special thanks, that does seem a bit fishy. Mm-hmm. Um, they think they think Afrojack. Well, the guy I feel who, like, compo- who did the dubstep song in the E three trailer. Well, I feel like part of it is that the costumes are not designed by Nomura. Nomura basically drew their faces and I mean they're all just sort of mix and match paint by numbers anime pretty boys with Roberto Ferrari costumes. I really I mean, fair love enough. the look of the cast in this movie. Again, I, like I actually think I'm part of the party who thinks, or part of the people who think the movie characters look a bit better than the in-game ones. Oh no, I completely agree. The oh, movie characters have, like interesting yeah. costuming. But like, I think the reason Nomura is not credited is because, like, the story concept for the yeah. characters is no longer his, and the costuming never was his. So it's essentially just like the character Noctis. Yeah. Really as like a notion was credited by him. Yeah. I mean that, that's fair enough. And like, we don't really, as that's the thing, there's just so much we don't really know that it's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, plus they'd have to, they'd have to credit the guy from Naruto who, who wrote Sasuke. Cause Noctis is just, you know, <laughs> angsty Sasuke, which should create a singularity. Angstier. The notion of angsty Sasuke should create a singularity and just annihilate us all. It's like dividing by zero. Yeah. It turns out that in the black hole, you can, in fact, divide by zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, I guess um, we kind of have reached the bottom of our list of topics, but I guess just to go around closing thoughts, are we more 
for Final Fantasy 15 after watching Kingsglaive. Yes. Um, how how would you rank it among FF movies? That's there's there aren't many of them. Um, I actually do think it's. I thought it was actually pretty good. Like I went in with what I expected from it and came out pleasantly surprised. They did a lot to kind of make it still a very modern Final Fantasy world where you had like you know the cameo monsters, but I like that they had like a, a Chocobo cleaning service or like a little Marl or the the stupid deadly gas monster in a cartoon. Marlboro. You know, like it was little Marlboro. stuff like that that I thought, well, yeah, Marlboro, that was, you know, that was really cool. Mm. Um, the sort of realistic-ish fights, like I like that, you know, when Nock just fell too far, he actually hurt his leg as opposed to Advent Children where they're just jumping around like it's nothing. You know, so I actually like that fights, you know, felt like they actually had a weight to them even though they weren't really constrained either where they could still, you know, make pretty radical jumps and, you know, pretty divine feats of strength. So I thought it was a perfectly entertaining film. It's got its hiccups, but whatever. I'm more excited for Final Fantasy 15 now. They got me. I'm still frustrated. I think the concept <laughs> of the film is the best out of the three CG Final Fantasy films. But uh, overall, I, uh, I'm going to be weird and say I think overall I still enjoyed Spirits Within more. Oh, wow. Ooh. Like, uh, I, I, I don't want to watch Advent Children ever again, so that's pr- probably still my least favorite at this point. But I just, I don't, Caitlin, I don't know. If, if, if one of these days we're going to do the Advent Children drinking game, and it's going to be glorious. Oh, that would be a fun podcast to do. Oh, so I'm going to pass out on, on, on the show? Is that what you Every mean? time they say mother, take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 50-something times. Yeah. No, I mean, the thing is, is we've got three films, two of which are tie-ins to games, either, you know, a a sequel-ish tie-in or a prequel-ish tie-in. And Spirits Within is the only one that technically stands on its own, which may be part of the reason why I'm partial to it, even though it's problematic, it, it fails a lot too, but... At least it doesn't necessarily feel to me like I watched a, you know, well, in my case, $6 tie-in product placement thing, you know. Yeah, did you know Uniqlo is in the Final Fantasy universe? (laughs) And Audis? Beats by Dre. Yeah, yeah, there was a Beats by Dre, yeah. (laughs) You too can pay more for headphones that are not high quality. Uh, Spirits Within is an interesting case. Like, I mean, at the very least, you could say that they tried with that one, and it did pioneer some new, like, filmmaking technology. Okay. Plus, it has James Woods. Yes. And and Donald Sutherland. I cannot. Yeah, I like... And and Ming Na Wen. Hello. See, no, see, Square Enix. Spirits Within had celebrity voice cast before it was cool. <laughs> Ming Na Wen is rad. Although I found out some stuff about James Woods recently that makes me not like him anymore. Sadly. I've done that too, but let's. I like. I will pretend that he's just Hades, and I will like ignore his. That actually works. Persona. <laughs> what happened it's James been a, Woods? It's been a bad week for me on that front. But we should discuss it after the show. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Stephen, got any closing thoughts? Yeah, um, I liked it. I do not think it was perfect by any means. I probably won't watch it again. Um, I've watched it twice now in both languages. Um, it got me more interested in the game, but I can't say if that's due to the fact that it was a good introduction to the world or because it set up so many plot threads that I'm just like, ugh, what, what's going to happen? So it could be a little bit of both. Um, I like the art design, love the music. Um, it made me more hopeless than ever that the game is going to have a particularly nuanced portrayal of anyone other than its four leads. But who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong. But in any case, yeah, I think between that and the recent footage of the final version makes the game look pretty solid. So I think at very least it'll be entertaining. So I liked Kingsglaive. I did not adore it. Um, But I doubt I would watch it again. That's fair enough. Um, And I mean, I just, yeah, I liked it. I I would uh, rank it above the other FF movies, and I've seen Advent Children more times than I should probably admit on air. Um, um, <laughs> how many? But, how many? <laughs> we're, we're not getting into this. I, uh, I, 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 it, it's, it's a good thing to break out at parties sometimes. <laughs> um, sorry, <laughs> but 
uh, honestly, so I think that'll about do it for uh, King, our Kingsglaive podcast. And thank you everyone for coming on board. Um, I, this this was kind of a hassle to to set up a bit, and this is my first time hosting. So be gentle, please. Um, we did it. It was fun. It, it, and yeah, it's fun talking about the movie. And uh, as as always, um, you can email us at a retro at rpgfan.com. Uh, we always well, please comment on the boards and let us know what you thought of King's Cliff, because um, we, we pay attention to those. We, we take feedback. We, we'd be really interested to hear your thoughts. Um, do I want to plug your guys' social media uh, real quick, like your Twitters? Um, at I Have Fury, same as my forum username. I am at Leanne underscore Cazero, also the same as my forum name. I'm online. Am I on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie's our social media person, so you hear from her a lot. I'm your social media person, yeah, so you'll probably hear from me responding to you about this podcast. You can reach her at at RPGFanCom. (laughs) And Stephen doesn't write for us anymore, but but we like to keep him around. (laughs) Yeah, you can find me, SJMTalus, on Twitter. Uh, Also my website, also... Yeah, so that's that's me. I translate video games, so you can uh, ask me about that. Or you can hear me retweet music. Lots of retweeting music. Yeah, lots um, of retweeting music and lots of yelling at political debates. So <laughs> if you don't like if you don't like politics, don't show up in my Twitter feed and tell me why you're talking about politics because I will block you so fast. Yeah, that same goes for me. <laughs> I just don't care if you don't want to hear about politics. Don't follow me. Don't. I, I didn't even get into. I, 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 I'm not going to bring up a whole topic of conversation, but there were some weird political undercurrents in Kingsglaive that were weird. But uh, anyway, that'll about do it. Um, as always, remember uh, rate us on iTunes and um, keep an eye out for future episodes. We got a Child of the Light episode coming out, so we will keep you posted, and we'll see you all later. Bye. 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 Bye.